Good morning. Welcome as we come uh, to worship today, as we draw around the Lord's table and break bread together and celebrate His life, His death, uh, and His resurrection. Whether you join us here in person or indeed online today, we bid you uh, a warm welcome in the name of Christ, and we hope and pray that what we do here today brings glory and honor in all that we say and in all that we do um, to our risen Lord. Here's some words from Scripture this morning. This is how God showed His love amongst us that he sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Because he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Let's pray as we begin. Father God, we thank you for the opportunity to gather. The opportunity to gather together and set time aside to focus on you. It's not that we can't do that at a different time or in a different space or place. But as you do that collectively, gathered from a disparate group of places and individuals, we do it with one voice, one heart, and one purpose, to worship you. To be changed, transformed by your word and by the breaking of bread and remembrance of what you have done. In order that we can go and be your people in this community. In your name we pray. Amen. This morning's reading is taken from St. John's Gospel, chapter 4, reading verses 1 to 14. The reading is entitled, Jesus Talks with a Samaritan Woman. Jesus Talks with a Samaritan Woman. The Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. When the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now, he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Zychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Would you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his flocks and herds. Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. Here ends this morning's reading.
Thank you, Joel. Um, so we continue uh, our series, Women of Faith. Um, the characters we've heard um, over the last number of weeks, um, the characters that we read about in the pages of the Bible, are often held up as perfection. But they were just ordinary people like you and I. Uh, yet God used their struggles with faith and life to draw them to himself. And he can do the same for us today. I suppose it's about us looking at these individuals, studying these individuals, gleaning from these individuals, that we can see how we can do that. We look at Mary and Martha, how Martha created the space for the environment to invite Jesus in, how Mary displayed the devotion that enables him, um, the Lord's presence, to be manifest in that place. And we look at a lady called Elizabeth, John the Baptist's mother, who had a quiet and faithful obedience that spoke volumes to the world around her. And last week, the woman who had bled, and we heard that just one touch from the king can change everything. Just one touch from the king can change everything. And today, as we've already heard from our reading, we're looking at the Samaritan woman at the well. A fairly well, if you've been about church in any shape or form over a number of years, you've probably heard of this lady. Because it's a real familiar passage. It's a passage that's used by preachers to talk about the gospel being available for all. There's so much more that we can glean from it uh, as well. So before we look at it, um, let's just pray together. Father God, we thank you that you are present with us, that your spirit today enables us um, to be enlightened by the truth of your word, that we might glean something from this story and from this account of who you are, of what you've done for us, but more than that, Lord, how we can be changed and transformed by you. In your name we pray. Amen. So here's another unnamed woman, as we heard from last week. Remember, she had no name, the lady who bled. But yet the story was significant. And here's another unnamed, unknown lady, but yet known by God. And there's so many questions, actually, in this passage, I think. Whenever I hear this passage read or I read it for myself, I always have lots of questions around the fringes of it. Why was Jesus sitting on his own? Why did he not go into the town uh, as well? Uh, why did why did he decide to stop in that moment uh, beside the well? Why did the woman come at noon? Why did she not come whenever it was dark, whenever it had been easier? Yes, we understand and we know that she came at noon because of her background, because of her social awkwardness, because of her isolation and her exclusion from other ladies in, in that community. And so she came at noon at the height of the sun, whenever it had been its warmest, whenever no one else would have been at the well. But sometimes I often think, why didn't she come at night whenever it had been cooler and no one would have been there to draw water. Why did Jesus even speak to her? He shouldn't have. It's not part of the culture that they lived in. In fact, speaking to a Samaritan drew criticism, drew judgment from the law. How did Jesus even know all these things about her? We didn't read that bit today. We stopped at verse 14. But if you read on in the chapter... Whenever Jesus talks about going back to her husband, she doesn't have a husband. She says, that's right, she has five. Uh, you know, how did Jesus understand and know all these things? All these questions come in uh, around all of this. And probably so many more. Maybe you have some in your own head as well. That's why questions are actually quite good. Because questions make us study what's going on. Questions make us ask questions so we can know better and understand better and create space for the Holy Spirit to enlighten us uh, as well. 
But we can't get fixated on all the questions that we might have around these stories. We can't get fixated about the what ifs. Um, <laughs> that's easy to say, isn't it? Don't get fixated about the what ifs. That's about like that passage where Jesus says, do not what ifs. There you are. Just don't what ifs. But we all have what ifs. We all have what ifs. And if we hear stories, we all have questions around them. So what do we know? Or more importantly, what could it be that God has for us in this passage today? For us as individuals, but also for us collectively as a church. I thought we'd go a wee bit Christophian today and say I've got three things. Um, don't normally say I've got three things, but I've got three things. Jesus is present. Jesus is present whenever we least expect him. See, in verse 6 it says this. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus tried, tired as he was from the journey, sat down at the well. It was about the sixth hour. A Samaritan woman came to draw water. Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? The disciples had gone into the town to buy food. Jesus is present whenever we least expect him. The day he went to the well expecting no one to be present. Certainly not another man. And so as she approached the well, there must have been lots of questions in her head of, what do I do now? How am I going to get my water? What happens if he speaks to me? What happens if someone else sees me in this context? But it's blistering hot. It's noon. I've walked the distance to get the water. I need the water. I can't go back home without it. And so I must go on and get the water. But the what ifs, I'm sure, must have been in her head as well. And so Jesus is present whenever we least expect him. Jesus is often in the most unusual of places waiting for us. Maybe you've found that already in your life at some stage where in the midst of a trial or a trouble, you find that Jesus is so close like never before. Even in the really good days of your walk with him, he was never as close as in the valleys or in the deepest bits. And that surprised you. Maybe in a conversation with a friend, something has come out in that conversation. A little nugget or I'll pray for you or, or whatever it might be. But you have found that Jesus in that moment is exceptionally close and you were not expecting that. Maybe as you've left the house to go about your daily chores or daily humdrums of life or as you go about work or whatever it is, that unexpectedly you've been stopped in your tracks and you find that sense of awe and wonder at who God is. Jesus is often in the most unusual of places waiting for us to notice him because he's there already. It's often that we haven't created the space or the environment to notice him in those places. I know I'm guilty of Almost, I've got a list of things to do. I know I said I don't really like to do lists, but often you have a list of things, uh, things that you know, things that you need to get done that day or that week, and you rush out to do them. And then you're so busy doing all of those things, but you haven't created the space to take time to notice that God is with you. And so as this lady approaches this well, she finds an unexpected visitor. Her day 
The humdrum of her day is now broken. And the second thing is this, that Jesus is willing to meet us in our sin. Actually, if we go across um, to the book of Romans, we read this in chapter 5. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus is willing to meet us in our sin. The scriptures in this passage tell us, as we read on past verse 14, that this lady was bound in sin. Verse 15 says, The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I won't be thirsty again and have to keep coming up to draw water. He told her, Go and call your husband and come back. She said, I have no husband, she replied. He said to her, You're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands, and the man that you now have is not your husband. What you have said to me is quite true. And this is why she's been isolated by everybody else in her community, being shunned and pushed away by them and pushed out to the side because she is living in this cultural context. She is living in a life of sin. And so she's been pushed to the side, but yet this unexpected visitor meets her even in her place of sin. Because he knows, Jesus knows, that change is possible. Jesus knows that change is possible. That we don't have to remain in the place that we are. No matter what the devil whispers to us, how many lies or deceit he tells us in our head, no matter what other people speak into our lives, we do not have to remain in the place where we are bound in this moment. Transformation comes when we trust Jesus. And so no matter what the world has told you about yourself, I remember for years I had to battle with, and probably still do a lot actually, feeling inadequate, feeling incapable, feeling unworthy for a host of reasons, but one of them was because of the words that many teachers had spoken over my life during my education. It's back in the day, never teachers could say things without kind of, they were fool. Uh, remember wooden boards? Remember chalk? No, not interactive boards, not even whiteboards. Remember blackboards with chalk on them? Um, and they used to throw uh, the big wooden duster to wake me up because it went to sleep. Um, or, or phrases like, Boyd, you'll never make anything of yourself. Uh, or Boyd, you're thick, why are you even here? You're a waste of space and a waste uh, of time. I called it by her surname, by the way, because in her phrase, if you were called by your first name, you were a thick. Um, and all of those things spoken over me as a child, I found it a long time hard to actually move through some of those uh, and out the other side of those. And so those things bound me because someone had spoken them over me and I had listened to them. Sometimes we listen to the deceit and the lies of the devil telling us similar things. But what Jesus says, even in those moments where we feel bound by all of those things, where we feel that we are not possible, capable, or worthy of doing anything, he meets us in our sin, in our place of desperation, and he says transformation is possible because of what he has done and because of what he can bring into that situation. And it overflows out of us. The end of this story comes in verse 39 of chapter 4. 
Many of the Samaritans from that time believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. And so whenever the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days because of his words. Many more became believers. Then the woman said, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. This lady had left, had left that place of the well and ran to the town to tell others about who Jesus was and what he could do for them because of what he had done for her. And many others began to believe. I was reminded earlier this morning as we were having a conversation about the passage that was coming today. As this woman left that moment with Jesus, Read this in verse 28. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come, come and see. She left her water jar. <laughs> Remember all those what ifs <laughs> that I was talking about earlier? What, what, how, how am I going to get the water? Because I need the water. It's high noon and I've walked a long distance and it's really warm. I, I, I need to get the water. So I need to engage with this. After she met Jesus, she left the water jar and went to the town, to the place where she'd been shunned, pushed out, and isolated from because of what Jesus had done for her. She left her water jar, and this was the phrase I was reminded of. She left her water jar because she went away with the whole well. She left her water jar because she went away with the whole well. She went for a wee bit of water, and she came away with everything. Not just for that moment, but a well so deep with living water that she had everything that she needed for the rest of her life. Isn't that amazing? But sometimes we get so fixated in making sure that we've got the wee bit of water to do us the day that we miss Jesus transforming our lives for the whole well, for the future. And thirdly, Jesus gives us all that we need. He gives us a living water. We thirst. After we drink water, we all need water to survive. But after we drink it, we will thirst again. And after a good slice of bacon, you'll thirst even more. <laughs> you know, so that there's a sense that we know what water does for us. We know the goodness of water in our lives, in our bodies. We know that we need to continually come back and get more liquid for us to survive. But this passage teaches us that Jesus gives us the living water Verse 11, she says, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself? Jesus says, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst again. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. At this point, she clearly doesn't know who Jesus is. In that sense, her eyes haven't quite been opened yet. She understands that something's going on in this conversation, that something is changing and transforming within her at this moment, but it hasn't quite all clicked just yet. But then her eyes are opened. In verse 25, the woman said, I know that Messiah. <laughs> After Jesus explained to her what the living water would be, she says, I know that Messiah. I know the Messiah is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. 
Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. This is the first recorded event of Jesus declaring who he actually is. And he chose to declare to a Samaritan. He chose to declare it to one who was isolated, shunned, and pushed away. To one who was living a life of sin. Because he knew in that moment, transformation was possible. And that the living water would tarry forever. Jesus meets her in her sin and loneliness, in the isolation and the despair, in the cyclical daily humdrum of everyday life. He steps in. Just like we said last week, just one touch from the king changes everything. So I wonder. And here's the question, preacher included. Are you expecting a visit from the king this week? expecting a visit from the king today? Are you expecting a visit from the king before you even leave this building? He meets us in the most unexpected of places. But sometimes we need to make sure that we are ready to notice him. Because he is always present. Or are we simply willing to continue the cyclical, daily humdrum of everyday life because that's just what we do. In a few moments we will remember the life, death, and resurrection of our Savior. We remember that he died for you, that he rose again for you, and that he lives today to give you life. And that in his death, all those things that hold us bound and hold us back can die to us as well. And the first step, the first point is ensuring that we know who Jesus is as our Messiah and our King. Because we worship him in spirit and in truth. Today may just be the day when you have an unexpected visit from the King of Kings. Father God, help us in our unbelief. Help us in our moments of humdrumness and daily life to take time to notice you, to create space for you. Lord, you would visit us in an unexpected manner today with your grace and with your favor so that a moment of transformation could happen in our lives and in the life of this church and this community. And so we praise you that you meet us right where we are. But that you're not willing to leave us in the depths of our despair. Give to us a living water today that will never run out. In the precious and beautiful name of Jesus we pray. Amen. So look, turn uh, as is the book of Jude today for our blessing. Um, to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God our Savior, be glory, majesty and power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. The blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, rest upon each one of us this day and evermore we pray.